Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Dr. Dravon James. She is the founder of Everyday Peace, host of Everyday Peace on Unity Radio, life coach, pharmacist, actress, author, wife, and mother of two teenagers. Dr. Dravon's goal with Everyday Peace is to educate, empower, and inspire others to build the life of their dreams. She teaches people how to utilize everything that shows up in life, the good, the bad, and everything in between as stepping stones along the path to building the life of the dreams. Dr. Dravon and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how you can build the life of your dreams, utilizing the transformative tool and tapping into everyday peace from her best-selling book, Freedom is Your Birthright. Good morning, Dr. Dravon. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm wonderful, Johnny. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Wonderful. It is a pleasure as well to have you on the air with me. Freedom is your birthright is extremely insightful and a treasure trove, I must say, of information. Congratulations on its release. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And I have to say that we do have the whole hour. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because it's a a long, twisted journey. So (laughs) I've got to give you the abbreviated short version. But yeah, so I've had a fascinating journey. And I want to emphasize the word fascinating because for something to be Mm -hmm. fascinating, there there had to be a lot of things that you didn't plan on, right, Mm -hmm. that showed Mm -hmm. up. And sometimes those things can feel rather unfortunate. When you're when you're in the midst of it, right? So with some introspective introspection and some growth and development, I can say that my journey has been fascinating. It began on the south side of Chicago, born to two lovely parents, but we were in poverty and all that that entails. And I tell people, poverty is one of those things that you've got to make a decision about it uh, really early on, or it will make all of your decisions for you. So I was fortunate in the fact that I had a very strong mom um, who was not defined and would not let us define us by our financial and economic situation. And, and it was dire at sometimes. We, were, we, were, we had bouts of homelessness, a lot of hunger, just really um, teeth-gritting things that make you constantly say, why me? But mm-hmm. she would um, spend a lot of time talking with us and, and helping us to understand that everything, which is the principle that I use in everyday peace, is everything that it shows up in our life has a, a meaning and a purpose. And though she had her own special way of saying it, the way I translated it in my growing and developing is that this too will be used for my good. Mm-hmm. So things mm-hmm. will show up, you know. And it's so funny because, you know, I went on, I had trouble in school when you move around a lot and academic trouble. Uh, in school, just trying to keep up because we were in different school zones, and one school was learning this, and I hadn't learned that yet, so there were these gaps. But I strongly believe that what you hear and what you constantly tell yourself formulates who you are because eventually I became to know that that was just going to be how it was. We were going to move around a lot, and I was going to have to catch up really fast, and I started (laughs) using that as a stepping stone. So I started – you know, my mom would take us to bookstores and to libraries and we'd read and gather the information. And and I'd walk into a school and you may be doing something different, but this is what I did know. And I'd excel in these different areas and mm-hmm. learn to put things together. So that kind of went on that way. And but lo and behold, I tell people that story because I said, never count a kid out because I was that <laughs> kid who was dazed and confused in, in, in uh, primary school. By the time mm-hmm. I got to high school, I was excelling because I didn't need a lot of handholding. I, that wasn't something that was available to me, and I was an independent learner. So Mm -hmm. if you gave me the textbook, I I was sure to read it from cover to cover, probably well ahead of the class, take my own notes, and start teaching myself the concepts. And so that helped me to 
to follow fear. I tell people, people ask me all the time, how did you become a pharmacist? It was a journey in following fear, but guess what? You can use even that to get you where you want to go. So I did all that academically, and I got married along that course of therapy. And it's a course of journey. I call it therapy because that's what my life has been. (laughs) And that had its own, you know, twists and turns. But so here I am now, the mom of two amazing children, one in college and a senior in college and a senior in high school. And I look mm-hmm. back over all the things in my life that looked like loss. You know, there were so many things mm-hmm. that I tried to hold on to. You know, the birth of our first child ended in, in death of that child and um, trying to hold on to that and the crumbling of a marriage, trying to hold on to that. And so many things, you know, it's almost like trying to hold on to the wind, if you will. It's mm-hmm. always with you, but never, sometimes it changes form. You know, so my life has been this fascinating journey of learning how to appreciate life in all of its different forms. Beautiful. Very fascinating story. Did you have anyone did you admire when you were growing up? Oh, yeah. Now, this interesting thing is that because we had such a childhood where we were moving around a lot, mm-hmm. I didn't watch a lot mm-hmm. of TV, so I didn't know a lot about things happening on TV and things of that nature. But my mom, I admired so much because she just never gave up. Like there were times where I was thinking to myself, this is going to be the end of us, <laughs> right? But she never gave up. And she, was, um, she wasn't she was the kind of mother to sugarcoat things. Everything was, yeah, this is yeah. what it is, you know. Right. And that was different from my personality. I have a more um, personality that requires a lot of, uh, cuddling. <laughs> My mom was not that person. So it helped me to develop other parts of myself, and I just admired mm-hmm. her strength. Beyond that, interesting thing that my mom did that I think really um, helped me develop as a person was that mm-hmm. she managed to have us in church on every Saturday, mm-hmm. most Saturdays anyway, uh, at a New Thought Church. And there was a particular reverend, uh, Dr. Barry, I can't mm-hmm. remember his first name, David Barry, I believe, who became a hero almost in my mind because of the way he broadened my, it, it, this is a, I'm a kid and he would talk about these things, planetary day, planetary night and all this stuff about <laughs> the egoic mind. And I'm this kid sitting in this, you know, this new thought church, hearing these things almost sound like superheroes to me. I can remember jotting things down on paper. And then I'd go to uh, my uncle's church, who was a Pentecostal preacher on Sunday. We'd be there all day on Sunday and Reverend Carl Mack King, and he would talk about the same thing, but he used totally different language. And it was mm-hmm. fascinating to me that these mm-hmm. two men were talking in my little mind, you know, I'm this child, but they mm-hmm. were the same concepts using totally different language. And I admired them so much. They strengthened me through, you know, and my mom was adamant that the people on, at the Saturday church did not yeah. know about the people at the Sunday church. She kept the world separate. <laughs> so you know, we were holding this secret, you know, and I remember yeah, I had the yeah. courage to ask her, I said, you know, why can't we talk about, you know, the Pentecostal church here at the New Thought Church and vice versa? And she goes, oh, yeah. they would just never understand. And that fascinated me even more. So these people became heroes to me because mm-hmm. although they mm-hmm. spoke different languages, you know, they mm-hmm. used different terminology the commonality of what they did and how they fed my soul. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I have to say, you know, my, my mother's mother, my grandmother was another hero of mine because she was all, she was the tender person in my life who, you know, always, was, you know, like grandmothers do, you know, you could do mm-hmm. no wrong really, you know? <laughs> and uh, so those, that, that kind of, I think it was, That's like a square, right? So this is the square that I was in, surrounded by these two very different ministers, and then my mom and my grandmother, who gave me two different perspectives of love, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. these men who gave me two different perspectives of the same thing. You know, so it was amazing. Those were my heroes, and I think it was the springboard. I don't believe there's any chaos in the universe. (laughs) I think that all of that in my journey, the homelessness, the hunger, the despair, and the love and these people were right. laying a foundation for what I now call peace. Very, very interesting. That's a fascinating story. When you were in college, who were the other influences that guided you? Yeah, college is interesting for me because, you know, <laughs> I, I accepted um, a, a 
invitation to go to pharmacy school knowing mm-hmm. that it was not a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. Like, I was excited about the idea of helping people. And, you know, I mentioned early on I had tremendous trouble in school when I was in elementary school, primary grade. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to high school, I was excelling. And somebody thought that because I was getting great grades in math and science, <laughs> that I was really interested <laughs> in math and science. <laughs> and I was um, really interested in literature and, and, and things of that nature. And But uh, I got into pharmacy school and just I'm the oldest of three children. My brother is 13 months younger than me. The summer before I left for pharmacy school, my brother gave me a book by Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. Mm -hmm. And I read that book, oh my gosh, it must have been over 20 times from, from that June to August before I left in August. And Norman Vincent Peale was my (laughs) mentor. (laughs) <laughs> through pharmacy school, you know they were professors, of course. I, you know, I'll talk about the moment, but there, but that mm-hmm. book, um, another tiny little book, you know, that I read over and over, and every time I read it, I learned something more about myself. I learned to look deeper within myself for what my passions were, and although my go-to passion was, you know, uh, more creative than pharmacy school, I realized mm-hmm. that. At my core, I wanted to serve mankind. And so I began to fall in love um, with what I was studying in pharmacy school because it was a way to serve. I saw that as service. You know, it, was, it wasn't necessarily um, all about pharmacy necessarily. It was about this is a way that I could serve, that I could be of help to mankind. So I fell in love with it. But interestingly enough, I got into pharmacy school and I ended up having this professor who was part-time at my school, full-time at yeah. Harvard. And she took took a liking to me, and she pulled me to the side one day, and she said, I want you to transfer out of this program. I, I want you to come look at this other program over here because, mm-hmm. she said, I feel there's something more philosophical about you in nature. And I was like, are you kidding? Leave pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> so she became a big mentor to me and a champion. Yeah. Um, I didn't follow her advice, but we mm-hmm. stayed connected and um, through my years in pharmacy school, and she helped me to know that, my journey wasn't going to end with just this profession. She, you know, mm-hmm. she really helped me to believe and know that I'm a full person, that mm-hmm. I have many interests and many talents, and it would be a shame, as Wayne Dyer says, to die with my music unplayed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to play every, play every record that exists inside of me. And so that mm-hmm. really helped me um, to really embrace the totality of me. That's fantastic. One of the things I hear is the fact that you would not compartmentalize just because of your situation. A lot of us in this sort of mindset that whether it's a physical fence or a mental fence, we are compartmentalized in the way our thinking, our thoughts allow us to imagine, so to speak. But you have allowed curiosity to lead the way in your journey at a very young age. So that's really wonderful. How did you discover the power of self-empowerment? I know you mentioned several authors that started the journey with you. At what point it sort of shifted from an equilibrium standpoint of view? Yeah, you know, I, I often think about, like, when, how did I come across this self-empowerment? And I had to go back to the beginning. It, wasn't, it was part of my life. I was living self-empowerment mm-hmm. because... Nothing was necessarily handed to us in, in the sense that things are handed to children. Like I hand things to my children. There was mm-hmm. always, if if this is going to be safe for you, if this, then you're going to have to become participatory in this process. Mm-hmm. And so that right there, on a very tangible level, eating, sleeping, safe place to sleep, and allowed me to see that. We are beyond our situation that we can think beyond our situation. So that was, you know, I talk about, you know, my mom, you know, being one part of the square and then my grandmother and these two mm-hmm. pastors, you know, that is really where this idea before I even had words to put to the concept of being self-empowered, but that's where it began is knowing that um, there is a source within me that knows the answer even before I ask the question, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So that was a part of just my DNA, my fiber. And my mother would always tell us, you know, really think. 
you know, go within. And when she would talk about thinking, she wasn't talking, you know, I now know that that was feeling because she would say, go into your soul place and, and really contemplate the next right move from that space, right? And the words weren't there for me to say, oh, this is self-empowering. This is, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> but that's, that's where it began for me. So when I started reading things, you know, all sorts of books, like, you know, authors, and um, I, the concepts were reminders to me. They weren't fresh mm-hmm. new concepts. They were like, oh, this is, this is just a, a nudge at my soul. You already know this. This is what you grew up believing, that mm-hmm. beyond circumstance, there is a source within you that knows the answer, knows the way. My only job is to minimize the distractions as much as possible so that I can commune with this source. Very, very interesting. You were involved with show business. That's another fascinating life <laughs> in itself. Yes. When did you realize you wanted to become an actress? Oh, my gosh, it was the third grade. I'll never forget it. (laughs) My teacher was playing back then. uh, It was raining outside. We stayed Mm -hmm. in for recess, and she put a record on an album that was a uh, play. So Mm -hmm. uh, so (laughs) those people who are my age, you know, (laughs) this is common, (laughs) right? So the whole play was on this album, and she played it, and the name of the story was Ladies First. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was I was. Just, I had the whole thing playing in my mind. And when she finished playing the album, she said, we are going to perform this play and that there were going to be auditions. So there was this little girl in the play and, you know, and she was the lead. And I just knew that that was the part that I was going to get. So we got our little mm-hmm. scripts and we went home and we, we, uh, <laughs> we studied that. And I auditioned. I, I didn't know that you didn't have to memorize it, but I memorized the entire thing. And wow. I auditioned for that play. And this is in the third grade now. And I mm-hmm. did not get that role. I was cast as a tree. I think it was a tree. Oh, no. And there was no, no <laughs> movement. No movement. But not to fear, fourth grade came and we did mm-hmm. the same play again in the fourth oh. grade. Yeah, yeah. I auditioned again. And this time, mm-hmm. I'm sure the role I got was the tree. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not fuzzy about that memory at all. Yeah, I got yeah. the tree again. But as I stood there as the tree, no motion, no talking, and I was convinced that I was the embodiment of the tree. I was being the tree uh-huh. on every, you know, and I knew in third grade as I listened to that record player, that record player go and the song, you know, the lines mm-hmm. and there was rain outside that day with a really bad rain. So I knew that I wanted to be an actress. There was nothing else. I said, this is it for me. This is what I want to do. Fascinating. That's interesting. I think the only thing you were missing was you should have brought a muffin to the audition. That would have changed everything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I just couldn't believe it. But you know, when I got home, like I was deflated. Any, any little girl was deflated. Uh, I yeah, deflated. Oh, definitely. But yeah. I I knew I I can remember practicing being a tree and watching trees as I would be outside and just how does a tree what does a tree feel? <laughs> I'm a third grade thinking that I'm gonna be the best tree. Boy, I hope they find a way to make it rain in the auditorium. <laughs> very very yeah, interesting. That's where, that's where it all began for me for acting. Very very interesting. Please tell us a little bit more about your professional acting career. I thought it's really very, very interesting, and it should serve as a wonderful motivation for a lot of the young women and men out there. Yeah, it is. I, I tell you, we started off, I said, this has been a fascinating journey. So uh, from there, you know, I went on, and I, and I, because we moved around a lot, um, mm-hmm. I didn't act a lot. But uh, we happened to be living in Massachusetts at the time, and I was in uh, the 10th grade going into my uh, junior year to 11th grade, it was the summertime, and there was an audition. I saw it in the, in the local paper. They were auditioning for the local theater for a part, and I auditioned for that part, got the part, and loved it. And the critics wrote about that play that it was the worst play, but there was one reason <laughs> to come to this play was this little girl who and mm-hmm. I was the only child in the play. And I remember showing that to my mom and saying to her, I said, Mom, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Now I'm in the, you know, whatever that age is, 15 years old. And she says, absolutely right. not. Absolutely not. 
You know, this is not a good way to have a secure future. You know, you're good at math and science. You're going to go to medical school. And I thought, well, you know, no, I'm not. (laughs) So um, long story short, I ended up going to pharmacy school and obeying my mom. I went on to get a doctorate degree in pharmacy. And I had my daughter, who is now 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I thought, there's no way. I can, and I hadn't acted or done anything post that um, play, but I thought when I looked at my daughter, she was less than a month old. I said, "There's no way I can tell this little girl to follow her dreams mm-hmm. if I've not followed mine." And a month later, I enrolled in some acting courses, and it, you know, from there, my children have grown up in the theater. Uh, I did some acting courses. I went out and did some auditioning and started doing a lot of work in theater because that's what was mm-hmm. available to me, you know, with, with a small child. But it was the best way to really learn my craft and, you know, theater, mm-hmm. performing in front of a live theater. So I went on from there and kept acting and getting, you know, doing commercials, independent films. And um, the biggest role I've had to date, and I know there are bigger ones coming, but was I mm-hmm. on uh, HBO uh, the Wire for two seasons, and it was, you know, everyone in my family, all my friends knew that I was acting, but until they turned on the TV and saw me on HBO, that's when it hit them. They're like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're on the, you're talking, you're acting. So that is, and I tell people, whatever it is that you, your passion is calling mm-hmm. you. You right. just need to reach for it. You know, right. that becoming tuned, whatever it is that you're reaching for it's also reaching back. There's right. no such thing as chasing down your passion. No, that passion is chasing you. You just need to tune into it and vibrate at the frequency of that passion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was always everything that I did, Johnny, was so interesting. I'd be studying for a pharmacy exam, and in my mind, I could click that over to a performance. I'd be like, okay, this, <laughs> because everything for me um, was. Um, what what acting did for me, it was more than just lights, camera, action for me. Mm-hmm. It was, it opened up a part of me that was truly authentic, that just came mm-hmm. to serve. Mm-hmm. And very, very so interesting. When I, I, yeah, and I embraced everything in my life with that, that this is the part, part of me that has come to serve. And I was in an interview <laughs> one time and someone said to me, but isn't acting all fantasy? I'm like, oh, no, it's the realest part of you. Right, the right. words may not be your words. Maybe you didn't choose that word, those words. But to do it, you tap into this rawness, this most authentic part of you. Right, right, right. And right. that to me is just beautiful. Right. So true. That's fascinating. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Dr. Dravon James. She is the founder of Everyday Peace, host of Everyday Peace on Unity Radio, life coach, pharmacist, actress, author, wife, and mother of two teenagers. Dr. Dravon's goal with Everyday Peace is to educate, empower, and inspire others to build the life of their dreams. She teaches people how to utilize everything that shows up in life, the good, the bad, and everything in between as stepping stones along the path to building the life of your dreams. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how you can build the life of your dreams, utilizing the transformative tools and tapping into everyday peace from her best-selling book, Freedom is Your Birthright. Dr. Dravon, why did you decide to write Freedom is Your Birthright? Well, I decided to write Freedom is Your Birthright because in 2015, the pillars of my world were starting to crumble. At least they looked that way from the outside. If I refer to pillars, when I coach people, I would Mm -hmm. say that we can use some broad categories to place our desires, our dreams, our hope, and that is health, wealth, and relationships. So we look at our life and we say, okay, this is going to health category. This is the wealth category. This is the relationship category. So in 2015, after having been um, having declining health for a number of years, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And in 2015, I lost my job. First time ever I lost the job. Mm. Just went away. And then my 20-year marriage um, 
looked like it was ending, and it was mm-hmm. all happening in a matter of a month. The you know May twentieth, the day of my twentieth anniversary. From that point on, um, to uh, to June twentieth, all three of my pillars just started crumbling. And although that was happening to me and, and, and through me, I was overwhelmed by this sense of certainty that I was at the best point in my life. Now, how could mm-hmm. this be? <laughs> you know, you need, your, you, need, you need a healthy body to live life, right? right? And right. I had built my life, 20 years of my life, you know, as a, as a wife in this, in this marriage and um, a lifetime in my career as a pharmacist and my job and having challenges in all three and really being physically ill. But there was something inside of me that was almost rejoicing, if you will. I just felt like, here I am. Everything is being transformed or transmuted into this new light source. This is going to be amazing. I was so aware of that feeling. And one day I was on a new job in 2015, and it occurred to me as I was having a conversation with someone that I would like to give that gift to everyone who may be suffering. They don't have to have their whole world appearing to collapse. Maybe right. it's a marriage. Maybe it's a health. Maybe it's finances. But I would like to teach them how to tap into what's really going on when bad things seem to be happening on the surface. And for me, I knew that was because of this, the beginning of my journey, where I had started and what I had been through and what I had learned from years of studying. You know, I started studying peace, the concept that I called peace when I was 17 years old and had all these mm-hmm. journals. And it had just become a part of my DNA, if you will. And I wanted to do that for people. And I wanted to make it really, really simple. I didn't want you to have to plow through 300 pages to figure out that the most essential part of your journey is your reco- you recognizing that you are free. You are free indeed, no mm-hmm. matter what your physical condition is. That freedom is an internal state of being. You must claim it or someone else will pretend like you don't have it and you'll fall under the leadership of something that may not have come to serve you for your greatness. Very, very interesting. Freedom, it is a big word because it encompasses everything from internal as well as external. What is freedom to you? Yeah. And, um, my son read the book and he said, well, I don't feel I'm free. He was in middle school because I can't do what I want to do. Still, so I said, absolutely. So that's, that's external freedom, right? Because we all, there, there are boundaries and there are things. And I, when I think about that, those external freedoms, I think about the yellow lines that exist when we drive right. on the road, right? That's a boundary that says that in order for you to drive on this road safely, and for the other drivers and pedestrians to be safe, you must obey these boundaries. So they're there for our safety. So that's an external freedom. And sometimes those external freedoms can feel uh, quite restrictive. However, Mm -hmm. the book deals with the internal freedom, which will, when you understand it and practice internal freedom, will create an external world that you are just so happy and proud of that you want to share with everyone. So when I talk about internal freedom, I'm talking about your ability to give everything in your life meaning only you do that two people embrace the endure the same situation and you both have the right and the obligation to give it meaning to you only you you can't give it meaning to the other person you you give everything meaning to yourself so you can say oh i got a flat tire today this is the worst day of the week or you can say i got a flat tire today and i learned this from that the flat mm-hmm. tires showed up and maybe prevented me from some other tragedy that could have been waiting down the road, gave me an opportunity to slow down. So we have that freedom. It's ours. We are obligated to do that. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to really exercise and stand in your freedom. But that's exactly what it means to me is really taking the moment in my life, every second of my life, to say what this means to me how I will use this in my life. Very interesting. Is that how you associate freedom with potentiality? Yes. 
Because in order for something to have some potentiality, right, this could happen, mm-hmm. that could happen, or actuality, right, how something becomes an actual occurrence is your, in your life is first based on your perception. Mm-hmm. So how you perceive yourself, if you perceive yourself to be powerless in, in whatever situation that it is, it will change what shows up in your life and how it shows up in your life. So first to First, making the decision and and remaking it every day. You know, there's a phrase in the Bible that says, I die daily, right? Mm -hmm. Which means that every day you wake up and there's new opportunities for you to make new decisions or to reinforce decisions of yesterday. So every day you got to wake up and say, I I see myself, I feel that I am Mm -hmm. a powerful being in my life, meaning that there are going to be some challenges that show up today. I have the potential to turn those challenges into stepping stones for my growth and development, or I have the potential to make those um, prison bars that keep me locked in place. You're right, because it's a concept of letting go, basically. We humans don't realize that the opportunities when you sleep, you basically shut down and reboot the next morning. So you have a choice to working with old files or create new ones. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And there's this mm-hmm. um, technique. I may have heard it first with Wayne Dyer many years ago. Mm-hmm. He talked about telling your re- redoing your day when you lie down in bed. And, and that, since I've heard it, um, I do this unconsciously. I, within two seconds, I just do a look, quick replay, and I mm-hmm. reframe the story. So if you in a meeting and it, the meeting flopped, or you know you had this mm-hmm. huge argument with your kids or your spouse. And you can go to bed and say, oh, this is just terrible. Or you can go to bed and say, hey, guess what I learned today? You know, mm-hmm. I learned a new way to communicate today. I learned a new way to practice silence today. Right? I, right. It's not denying the activity that occurred. It's, it's reframing the meaning that the activity has. Right. Right. So, so true. beautiful. And that's how you wake up with a new file, right? That's how you get a new file <laughs> downloaded when you sleep. <laughs> So true. Is that how you view introspection? Yeah, introspection, self-awareness is the most loving thing that we can do for ourselves. To me, that is the foundation of self-love, right? Is not so much in the head. I think we think of introspection mm-hmm. sometimes. We, we, we think it's a head game, right? That I need right. to be really figuring out these things about myself. And the ego just loves that. And the ego gets in play, and, and what the ego does, because the mm-hmm. ego's job is to really protect you from harm, although it only has the skill sets of a two-year-old, it cannot protect you from harm. It don't, you know, so, you know, you get into this ego play where you say, okay, well, let me think about this. Let me think about that. And the ego starts putting these blockades up, and you can't really see beyond, I'm wrong, I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. you know, these mm-hmm. people hurt me. So to me, introspection is more of going into the body and seeing how you feel about things and letting your feelings sort of guide you and letting the thought come from the feeling. So we go in there and we say, you know, how does this feel to me? Where do I feel this discomfort when I think about, you know, uh, maybe you had strong words with your child. Where, where, does, where does that resonate? Why why this particular event? Letting your letting your your mind relax a little bit because the body goes in, the mind goes into defense mode. Oh, well, they deserved it. They're, you know, they're ungrateful. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's all the, that's the too easy stuff, right? That stuff just keeps you trapped. Yeah. Beyond yeah. there, there is something about you because every interaction is for self-growth and development. That's how we serve at our highest point. So to mm-hmm. me, introspection is going in and figuring out what is, what is the core of that action? And the core mm-hmm. always goes to to the feeling. What feeling have I attached to that? What meaning did I give that? Oh, I'm still hurting over this. Well, let mm-hmm. me just spend some time in, in awareness about that mm-hmm. and tell, start telling myself the truth about that, right? The truth mm-hmm. of the story. Many times we tell ourselves these stories and in introspection that are lies. You know, so mm-hmm. we're not really doing introspection. We're just putting the mind into overdrive. And we tell, you know, and I, I was going to do a post today. I didn't get around to do it. But it was simply <laughs> going to say, it's the story that you're telling yourself a lie, you know, you know that yeah. I am less than because of, mm-hmm. that I can't because of, that I'm hurt because of. The story, the truth is that you're victorious over all of that. 
Well, that's true. Very, very true. Under those circumstances, introspection does lead someone into sort of just staying the way they are in a frozen position. So how does a person move beyond procrastination? By, again, going into the feelings. And and here, I love, this is a great conversation. We could probably spend a whole hour here. But (laughs) I love what, what the mind tries to do. Mm-hmm. Right, because the ego is so afraid for us to feel pain, right? But when right. we go into introspection and we start thinking, right, if we want to go beyond, and you're right, the thinking gets us frozen and now we're procrastinating. But we just relax and say that I've been afraid before. Fear, being afraid, has not has not killed me just because I felt unsafe. It's okay to it's okay to feel these feelings. I'm still safe. They are feelings and they will pass. And in fact. Allowing myself to feel, to feel fear, to fear, feel mm-hmm. anger, to feel disappointment will allow it to flow through me so I can get to the next feeling. It's when I brace up. So procrastination is all about being braced and saying that I am afraid of whatever it is that you're afraid of. Right. I'm afraid of, I'm a, you know, my favorite one that I, when I coach people, what they believe they're afraid of is that, Time, this whole illusion of time, I'm afraid I don't have enough time to do this. Mm-hmm. Right? And I said, well, well, let's go, you know, let's go beyond time. Right? Let's suppose that time isn't there. If you do this and you do have time, what is the fear I'm afraid that I would have to sacrifice? Great. Right? So now we're at, you'd have to say no to something to say yes to something else. That's adult 101. We can do that. We can say no to something or we can say put something on hold. So this whole process, procrastination, is just that we believe that we're so crowded in our mind that we're afraid to say no to anything so we can't move. We're afraid to fail, which is our biggest fear, that we will fail, right? And there's Mm -hmm. so much beauty in failing. I tell people, fail as often as you can. You know, there's so much to learn and to love about failure. So getting over procrastination for me and with my clients, what I teach is opening up to feeling, even with the mm-hmm. procrastination, because we're afraid of that too. We're afraid to procrastinate as we're procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's so deep yep. and so evolved. So just seeing that I'm okay with sitting here in this moment and feeling the shame that I feel by not doing what I know I should do. Just rest mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Let it pass through you. And on the other side is the energy and the creative two seconds that you need to do to hit the button on the on the computer or to <laughs> open the page in the book or to pick up the pen, whatever it is. Two seconds mm-hmm. is all you need. You know, uh, I can't think of her na- name now, but she does that. Um, first name is Mill. She says that five, four, three, two, one, go. And that is so beautiful. But first you've got to... Say to own that emotion. Don't try to fight it. There's so much energy in just owning it and letting it. Once you say, okay, I'm procrastinating, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is why. Eventually, mm-hmm. it just it, you shine the light of awareness on it. It's no fun anymore. It's not <laughs> scary anymore. So it fades away. Yes, yes. Very, very interesting. So when you look at everything on its entirety, and obviously procrastination leads to challenges. So what do you mean by challenge the challenge is that part of it just running over it and yeah, focusing on the future into it. Mm-hmm. right because challenges i gotta tell you this this is you know in, into my world right challenges i was <laughs> a person who was so afraid i spent my life my younger years trying to be perfect because i mm-hmm. really was afraid for anything to go wrong you know i just tried to keep so many balls in the air and many people can relate to this i just tried to make sure that i chose perfect word or the perfect action and you know and that will throw you into just uh being scared so you can't move right so right then, as i kept studying and watching i realized that all of the growth happens in the challenge so what most of us do is that when something when some undesirable event occurs in our life we go to work on trying to return our life to the way it was prior to the challenge. We do not want there to be a change. So we think that a challenge shows up and our job is to block it at the door, keep things the same. So when I talk about challenging the challenge, it is a 
flipped in our mindset and in our behavior that says, oh, there's a challenge. Let me lean in Mm -hmm. and become curious about, really watch my response to this and how I am meant to change as a result of this. I am not meant to remain the same. This challenge has shown up to challenge me. Every challenge presents an opportunity for tremendous growth. So challenging it is saying, I'm challenging it, challenging this challenge to my full potential of growth. Let's go. Let me watch. Let me, where is it leading me? That's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Dr. Devon James. She's the founder of Everyday Peace, host of Everyday Peace on Unity Radio, life coach, pharmacist, actress, author, wife, and mother of two teenagers. Dr. Devon's goal with Everyday Peace is to educate, empower, and inspire others to build the life of their dreams. She teaches people how to utilize everything that shows up in life, the good, the bad, and everything in between as stepping stones along the path to building the life of your dreams. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how you can build the life of your dreams, utilizing the transformative tool and tapping into everyday peace from her best-selling book, Freedom is Your Birthright. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Dr. Draven, why is forgiveness an essential part of freedom? Because when you forgive... You give up something in order to get something else. You create space. So forgiveness, is, and it's all, it's all personal. It's all about you. It's the, another wonderful self-love thing you can do. It mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the other person, nothing to do with the situation. It's all about you, and we deserve this all about you time. So forgiveness. I give this. I give away my feelings, my animosity towards this perceived wrong so that I can get this. This is what I want instead. This is what I want for that. So I'll give you an example. When I talked about in the beginning of this journey in 2015, when I was fired Mm -hmm. from a job, (laughs) and I thought to myself, you know, my ego kicked in. Oh my gosh, how could I be fired? And, you know, I just felt Mm -hmm. terrible. And I took the elevator down from the sixth floor down to the ground floor. And I went through the revolving doors. And I, as I was waiting for the elevator, and tremendous, you know, my ego was just all over the place, right? Yeah. And and I was confused at, you know, what has just happened here. And, but by the time I got in that elevator, because I've been practicing these principles of everyday peace, I was already in the mode of blessing everything and, and, and blessing my time there, blessing the people that I worked for, blessing the event that I just lived through, that I felt like falling through the floor, you know? Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I, so I gave up the animosity, the sense of wrong on the ride to the ground floor, from the sixth floor to the ground floor. And this is what happened. I got in the revolving door. As I was in the revolving door, something clicked in my mind. said, call your old boss, let him know what happened. So I picked, I'm getting my cell phone out of my pocket. I walk into the Mm -hmm. sunlight. I hit the button, dial him, and I'm telling him the story. Before I got to my car, he said, so when can you start? (laughs) <laughs> this is within less than five minutes because I decided yeah. to forgive and to forgive completely. So on the, right. I'm driving home and I called my mom and telling her the story. She goes, oh, so I said, oh, I, I got my old job back. I can start. I told him I could come in tomorrow. He told me to take the rest of the week. I'll come back next week. <laughs> so, you know, but it was, that's how quick if, if we will let go and, you know, you think about the intensity of, of emotions and the fear that has to kick mm-hmm. in that want to hold us in unforgiveness because there's a part of us that wants to languish there to say, you know, right. I have been wronged, but it is the most unprofitable position, right? We want, we, the ego desires to be powerful, to be safe. It doesn't, doesn't know how to do that. And that's right. where we have to step in and say, I have some practices. I have some tools. Forgiveness is a tool that you use to put yourself, if you will, back into a powerful position. Unforgiveness Mm -hmm. is a very lowly position to be in. It means that you've gathered all of the things that you can hold on, and they're just like dust in the wind. They're going to 
um, fly away too, but you're trying to hover over them in hatred and in regret mm-hmm. and pain. Mm-hmm. Instead of love opens up, and that's when right. creativity flows, right? So forgiveness that's true. I, is a practice, you know, for, in the first person we need to forgive is ourselves, and I didn't say that. In, <laughs> on that. in that hallway, I was trying while I was waiting for the elevator. I was trying to mm-hmm. think, like, what went wrong? Where's the? I was looking yeah, for that yeah. one thing that I could have done differently. And just like a light bulb said, that's a waste of your time and energy, darling. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Right. Let's move straight to the practices that we know work. Forgive yourself. Forgive everybody. And without even any conscious effort, mm-hmm. creativity, creative energy kicked in, and there I was in remedy mode, mm-hmm. solution oriented, uh, problem solved. Before I got to my car. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Very very interesting. In your book, you talk about no victims allowed. When is the concept of no victims allowed is not self-denial? Self-denial is a traumatic uh, way to live, right? It is the exact opposite of what, where you can find peace. And, 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 you know, we didn't talk about what peace means in everyday peace. So this mm-hmm. is a great place for me to say that. Yeah. Uh, the definition that I am u- utilizing when I talk about peace is peace is wholeness. It's completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. So when you hear that, you know that there can be no denial because whatever is happening is happening and it's part of the whole. So acceptance is required at every uh, – acceptance and awareness or awareness and acceptance mm-hmm. is required at every the journey so that you remain whole and complete. So to embrace the no victims allowed approach to freedom, you must first be self-aware of all the things from your past that you have faced, all those things that you, that you felt like defeating you. You must first be self-aware and you mm-hmm. must accept the truth. The truth is this that you are the victor over all of those things because you now stand telling the story in retrospect. Only a victor can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, the ego would say, I'm a victim because, I, because it happened. Things happened in, in everyone's life. You're a victor because it happened and you still exist. You still have, are free to give all of the meaning to that past event that it will right. ever have. Right. right. It could be the worst thing, as I mentioned earlier, that throws you in a prison where you can't move. Or it could be the thing that was the catalyst that catapulted you from where you were to where you're going. Tiny yeah. shift in perspective. That's true. I mean, being a victim is regressing versus being a victor is progressing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's available for each of us, right? But we first, right. you know, and I spent some time in my youth, I said I started studying peace when I was 17, when I read mm-hmm. The Power of Positive Thinking. And, you know, when you're 17, I thought I was looking for the answer, really, when I read my old journals, I was really looking for the answer <laughs> to have a, how to have a life with no problems. <laughs> yeah. I did not yeah. find yeah. that answer. That does not exist. <laughs> but part of, that, part of that young process that I'm glad I went through was right. I really did try to reframe everything in a way that denied um, certain emotions mm-hmm. that is not only um, painful, it's damaging. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's those emotions that stuff is still there. It's buried and it's buried alive. So we have to stand and say, yes, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I accept that this has happened. I am aware of how it made me feel. Right. Of course, that's part of the peace journey. I'm aware That's of how true. it made me feel. It's part of my whole journey. It's part of the completeness. <laughs> However, this right. is what I've consciously chose to do with that. Very, very interesting. You're right, because as we process the whole thing, it's not that you're denied what just happened, and that includes things that you shouldn't have done, or let me put it this way, your contribution to the fact. <laughs> or to the decision or whatever, or to the event, so to speak. My Cajun mom has a wonderful saying, after the fact when you get all this thing out of you, and the good news is, and what she's trying to say is that, well, once you get it out of the system, where you're heading? Mm-hmm. Right. Where are you heading? Right. And that acknowledgement. So, so often we're afraid to face ourselves, right? We want to paint ourselves as, oh, we've not done anything. We're just, you know, <laughs> these things are just happening to us. And as long as we do that, we remain powerless. 
Right, right. Okay. So it's, okay. it's okay. You know, I, one of my favorite phrases, and I, I say it all the time, is when we know better, we do, we do better. And if you heard it, if you knew better with your, with your mind and you still didn't do it, you didn't know it. Mm-hmm. You just heard it. But now mm-hmm. when, you, when you actively make a change, you know it. Right. You could hear something. You could hear something a thousand times, and you can continue to do the thing that brings you the most heartache and pain and suffering. But you, mm-hmm. you've heard the truth. You've heard the right way, but you don't know it yet. When you know better, you do better. So true. Very, very true. Why is everyday peace essential for our mind, body, and spirit? Because when you walk in wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality, day after day after day, not only do you heal yourself, you empower yourself. And when you empower yourself, you empower your family, your community, the world. So it's not, it's not just a selfish act. For mm-hmm. every one person that becomes what I call an everyday peacemaker, mm-hmm. the impact that you have on your community and your family and your job, and, you know, is tremendous. This is how we heal. You know, as much as I, you know, believe in the legislative system and politics, mm-hmm. we heal one person at a time. That's how we do this. You know, right. I was interviewing someone and, and he said something that made me think of something I used to say years ago, that the great thing about our journey in life is that we right now today have everything that we need to heal ourselves. The other great thing about our journey is that there is no one coming to rescue us. The mm-hmm. job belongs to us. And no one can stop you from saving yourself right now. That's true. Very true. Is trusting our instinct, like you had mentioned, is an inside job, is part of that process in itself of everyday yes. peace? Learning to, yeah, that instinct or intuition, right? Learning mm-hmm. to rely on that. And in the beginning, we'll make lots of change, uh, uh, of wrong choices <laughs> because we're like, oh, I thought my instinct was... <laughs> Because because instinct doesn't necessarily speak from the mind, but we've been conditioned to be very analytical about everything, right? Right. And so um, the the mind, the way I see the mind is the mind is the executor of what the body Mm -hmm. says, right? And not Mm -hmm. you know not these. um, So we 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 spend time in meditation or prayer, however you want to call that. You spend time Mm -hmm. there, and you realize that uh, we've all come to serve. And mm-hmm. it is by serving others that we get fed. Right? That's how that happens. So, right. you know, when we when we get into that space, that's how you can say, well, people would come to me in my coaching. They're like, well, you know, if I just want to take care of myself and not care about anybody else, you're not yet in tune. That's okay. Go deeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go deeper because you're still, that type of thinking it will inflict pain on yourself. Go deeper. I'm not telling you to go sell all your possessions and give everything <laughs> to the poor. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when you go deeper, you're going to tap into that intuition that says, this right. is where I need to give. This space right here is where I need to give from so that mm-hmm. I feel safe. Right? Because mm-hmm. that's where we, we've all come to serve. And so when you start this prayer, this this meditation, this sitting in the stillness and allowing yourself just to be, then your instincts become in tune with what you need, how you need to serve so you will feel most safe. And in that feeling safe is all the material things that you would ever want. I'm not saying, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. have to live below wherever you feel you need to live financially and Mm -hmm. economically. That's in there. But it takes practice of being in the stillness and and knowing how to go beyond just the surface feeling of, um, more, 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 more. You know, sometimes the more we get, the right. more anxious we feel, right? right. You get a right. higher promotion, you get more money, you buy a bigger house, you buy a bigger <laughs> car, and you can't sleep at night. And you're right. wondering why, because everything's got an alarm system on it, and you're pretty safe, but you can't sleep yeah. at night. Right? Right. And because you haven't tapped into where is the source that I'm supposed to be giving from inside of me? Where is that? Right. Once I tap into that, and your instincts will guide you there. Mm-hmm. That intuition will guide you there, and you'll be able to live from that place. So true. That's beautiful. That's free. That's freedom. Beautiful. Where can someone go to get more information about you, buy your book, and keep up with your latest happenings? So my website is www. 
Dr. D.R. Dravon, D-R-A, B for victory, O-N, James, dot com. So www.drdravonjames.com. You'll find a lot about me there. I would love to, if I may, let you know about mm-hmm. a free offer that I have. I'm sure. giving away a seven-day course absolutely free. Uh, it is Discovering Your Passions, quick, easy way to discover your passions and get moving on them today. You have everything that you need to follow your passion. You have it right now today. You don't need to do anything uh, go buy anything, not even another pen. You just need to know how to tap into your passions. And so you can access that course by just emailing me and putting the word free in the subject line. And you can email me at DravonJames at gmail.com. Again, my name is Dravon, D-R-A-V as in victory, O-N, James at gmail.com. So you can follow me there and you can follow me on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, all at Dr. Drayvon James. And I, I usually do a post every day. I haven't done one in a while because of COVID. <laughs> so I'm going to get yeah. back to that. I, you know, I work as a pharmacist uh, in a hospital, and I run a hospital pharmacy, so we have been incredibly busy. But I will begin mm-hmm. my post, my daily post uh, Sunday. So you'll be able to catch up with me and know where I am and where I'm speaking and, and book me for speaking engagements if you're so inclined to do so. Fantastic. What is next for you? The next thing for me is hold on to your seat, Johnny. I just wrote a screenplay, <laughs> and um, and so we are pitching that now. We're pitching that screenplay, but I am doing workshops. I have a wonderful workshop called The Amazing You, which is geared to helping business owners turn their employees into partners and um, creating the synergism that uh, the synergy that teamwork actually is meant to do. So got some great things on the horizon. And of course, Wonderful. I didn't mention that I, am a, I have a radio program, and you did mention in the beginning, every Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Unity Online Radio Network called Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James, and we have some fascinating guests that love it. Um, and we talk a lot about where, I, where I'm going to be and what's going on in the Everyday Peace world on that station. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. As we close this out, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? I would. I'd like to give you three things to do that will take your your greatness to your next level of greatness. And one is to make sure that you're moving your body in some capacity every day. I don't do what you can, but get some exercise and get those endorphins going. Have an active gratitude practice. I talk a lot about active gratitude, and it just takes a second to write down, and it is important that you write it, write down three things that you are grateful for. The first three things in your mind that come to your mind, you can be grateful for them. Change your perspective if they're not things that make you overwhelmingly happy. And thirdly, right now, decide decide to fall in love with you just the way that you are. And that's some simple mirror work. By looking in the mirror, people have a hard time Mm -hmm. looking in the mirror at themselves. So look in the mirror and look into your left eye and say, I love you three times a day. That's fantastic. Those are really awesome recipes for living life. So that's really, really beautiful. Thank you so much. Dr. Dravon, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, October 27th. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest releases, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive for Preteens, and Think Positive for Teens. The books are designed to motivate preteens and teens in their young life's journey. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. Dr. Drevon, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.